Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. What's your favorite scary movie? What's the boogeyman? You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? It's showtime. guys and welcome back to you can't kill the boogeyman podcast i'm your host robbie and i'm sammy and welcome back and today we're talking about the curse of michael myers halloween six Six. do you know why we celebrate halloween a long long time ago it was a night of great power when the days grew short all across the land huge bonfires were lit oh there was a marvelous celebration and they dressed up in costumes hoping to ward off the evil spirits especially the boogeyman these honestly it's such a clusterfuck with this stuff you you have a hard time keeping track of which one we're on yeah they blend together but i feel like this this was a lot better than I don't think so. This is an improvement, more of an improvement than episode, uh, five. I think we disagree. You don't think so? This was a hot mess potato. I mean, the, I guess I would say that because of the people that are in it. I don't dislike the actors. That's, what, that's more where I'm coming from. But I I am. Mm. So. I'm not so sure about Knowledge this, me here, this movie. Yeah. Which you just brought actors and <sighs> did I put the actors in this? No, did I? But it's fine because we're just gonna pull up the cast and I will read off my phone instead. So, so knowledge me here. Why is this movie such a hot mess? Well, let's, let's just, let's do summary and, and we will get there. Okay. 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 So tagline for this movie, six times the terror six times the fear six times the thrills obviously they have a lot with the number six and that is all lies and what's funny is when the movie starts it it says halloween the curse of michael myers but it doesn't even say like halloween six the curse of michael myers it just says halloween the curse of michael myers so you got all these taglines and they didn't even say didn't in, even the, in the opening credits. It doesn't even say that. I could see that being a missed opportunity again. 
Yeah. So it has some correlation with five. All right. They're missing opportunities. So let's do a summary. Okay. Six. Did you pick up on that? It's six years. Six years. Does that does that make sense? It's a sixth movie. It's six years later. Yeah. Ah, oh, they're so clever. So very clever. Uh-huh. Okay. Six years after Michael Myers' last massacre in Haddonfield, Jamie Lloyd has a child twist but is then killed by michael mm, sad face michael is allied with the cults of a thorn who both protect him and give him the curse of the thorn which is the reason why he killed his family way back at the beginning they don't really explain that they don't explain anything in this movie don't the, you so not to interrupt uh -huh, go but ahead. don't you think it would have been they're getting ready to reboot the series right the whole because of halloween kills or halloween ends right mm -hmm. wouldn't it be cool if they went back and explained all this in a cohesive thought if it made sense if, if it made sense you're right <sighs> the strode family also moved into the myers house and are stalked by michael we'll pause again here i don't why would they move it back in? Because in the whole movie, none of them know that they're in the Myers house, is what they say. Right. They say, oh, what happened here? And because they're yelling at the realtor dad because he's like the only one who knew. And it's just like, oh, I can't believe you didn't tell us. We didn't know. But I'm like, nobody told any of you out and about because the entire town knows. Like no neighbors would be like, do you know what house you're living in? The guy, the brother's girlfriend, tells him the story but why and i'm like you never mentioned like i don't want to go to your house because it's the michael myers house that, i don't understand that is pretty weird huh? this annoys me already off the bat okay sam loomis and tommy doyle a boy that laurie babysat during michael's first rampage are now out to stop michael and the cults michael heads to kill jamie's son and the rest of laurie's family but Dr. Loomis and Tommy plan to stop the curse, defeat the cult, stop Michael, and put an end to his murderous rampage once and for all. Spoiler, it does not work because it, it never not. works because it's Michael Myers. You're right. And then it wouldn't be much of a movie if it did work, right? No, mm -mm. no. So this one is rated R for strong horror violence and some sexuality. Okay. Genre again, holiday horror. Director is Joe Chappelle, producer Paul Freeman, writer Deborah Hill, and Daniel Farren's release date. It came out September 29, 1995. A lot of the movies before this came out like right around Halloween, so this was a little bit early, about yeah. a month, month yeah. out. Its box office gross was $14.7 million. Okay, that's good. And I didn't have the budget. I really like didn't have my life together. Distributor is Miramax. Yes, this was distributed. See. We're back to Miramax. So that's the one. If you don't know, Disney owned Miramax, mm -hmm. but then the Weinstein Company went in and bought that. Mm -hmm. So they bought the rights to this mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. So this becomes a Weinstein production now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So its budget was about five million dollars. That's good. And it's opening weekend, it made 7.3. At least it made back its budget, right? It, it did. This was another barely scraping by, I feel like, movie. But, you know, 
it did make a profit. Runtime is an hour and 28 minutes. Yeah, about an hour and a half. It's got a critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 9%. So we have gotten worse. Last time we were at 12 for critics. Yes, we were. We are not at nine. The audience score is about the same though. It's 37% for this one. So I guess you do win because I think the last one was 36. You're right. So slightly better. Slightly better. And it's sitting at a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh my God. Which I believe is worse. I think the last yes. one was a five, if I remember right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. So let's let's do the locations and then we'll start getting into the fun stuff. So, which Salt, will are we back to Salt Lake again? This film was mostly shot in Salt Lake City, Utah. That blows my mind. Which was an experiencing an early winter at the time, which made it troublesome for the production company. Imagine that. Because this movie is in Halloween, not in the winter. Right. Although, I mean, technically it could maybe snow on Halloween, but they that was obviously not part of the plan. The original hospital scenes were shot at the abandoned old primary children's hospital in the Avenue section of Salt Lake City, and reshoots actually took place in Los Angeles in the summer of 1995. Okay. So I did not go back to Salt Lake for the reshoots. No, I, bet. I can understand that. No. All right. This one, I do have a lot of stuff for this movie because I think it's garbage, and there was a lot okay. to Let's share. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so filming, one good thing. This is Paul Rudd's film debut. See, that's what I'm talking about. It has Ant-Man in it. It has Paul Rudd. Oh, I didn't even do the cast. I got distracted by by this. Okay, so I'm sorry. Let's back up and do the cast before we do filming. So Donald Pleasance is back as Sam Loomis, as we've alluded to, Dr. Loomis. Uh, Marianne Hagen is Kara. My mom called her Kara, and then... Tommy, aka Paul Rudd, called her Kara. So I don't really know. We're going to say Kara because Paul Rudd spent most of the movie calling her that. But I just want to point that out that the mom definitely called her like Kara at the beginning. But well, maybe that's a nickname for her. I Well, maybe it's just nobody was on the same page with this movie, and we will discuss that. Paul Rudd is here as Tommy Doyle. As we just said, it's his film debut. George P. Wilbur played Michael Myers in this movie, The Shape. Um, Mitchell Ryan was Dr. Terrence Wynn, not a very nice guy in this movie. Mariah O'Brien is Beth, and Mike A. Michael Lerner was also like a backup. It says additional shape. Okay. Which it just makes me laugh the way that it's it's flagged on there. Additional shape. He is additional Michael Myers. J.C. Brandy was Jamie Lloyd at the very beginning of the movie because she died. Yes, Spoiler. I mean she killed. She killed. She's she, killed at the beginning of the movie. She was killed. But yeah, I assume you know by the this point we do spoilers for this because they cannot bring back danielle because i will actually we'll discuss why they didn't bring back danielle well i have a whole note on that this. that's a good question why why didn't i guess we'll talk about we, i do have notes on that dan uh devin gardner was danny strode that was the brother i was talking about that i didn't know that he was living in the, the cursed house bradford english was john strode the mean dad janice nicker uh nickerham I'm sorry, I probably said that wrong. Was Mrs. Blankenship? So those are kind of the main people in the movie. Well, there's the little boy too. I don't remember. No, he's Danny. No, Devin. I'm sorry. Devin is Danny Strode. That's the little boy. I'm getting them mixed up. I'm so sorry because he's older now. (laughs) So his picture doesn't match. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Devin Gardner played Danny Strode. I promise. I usually have my life together, but we this was more last minute so i wasn't as prepared um and then kim darby was the mom deborah strode 
Okay. She wasn't in it very much, but she was there. Okay. So Paul Rudd was in this before he filmed Clueless. Clueless came out in 1995, but he did this first. Okay. Yeah. So this big first big screen appearance. It was Daniel Farrens. So Daniel Farrens, just to refresh, is one of the writers. They listed Deborah Hill, but I don't really know how much she was actually involved in this. She just gets, probably gets a writing credit yeah. because it's her IP. Yeah. So Daniel Farrens, the writer, suggested that the film be called The Curse of Michael Myers due to the troubled production. Oh, okay. Sorry, telling you where we're going with this, right? Mm-hmm. The original title of the movie was Halloween 666, The Origin of Michael Myers. Okay, that would have been a better title. There are even existing ad prints and early trailers that feature that title, but later it became Halloween 6 and then finally Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers. So there you go. I feel like that would have been a better title, more catchy, I I would say. I think it would have because it also would have had a better story. But anyways, let's actually talk about the original story. Okay, let's talk about it. Daniel Farron's original script was far more moody and psychological than the final draft. Okay. After reading the script, one of... The execs at Dimension Films could not sleep that night and therefore called Farron's immediately and told him that they wanted to go forward with the script. Donald Pleasance himself supported the original script and immediately signed on to the film only to find out that it was being rewritten. What the fuck? I feel like Donald gets screwed a lot in this stuff. Like he'll be like all about whatever the better choice is. Right. Or better idea. And then they're like, oh, we're not doing that. By and the then way, he's we're still just stuck kidding. with the movie. I'm just like this guy, this poor guy. No wonder he hated doing this, right? Yes. So Joe Chappelle is the director. Okay. Just remember that. So Daniel Farrens, the writer, stated in an interview that Joe Chappelle used little to no ideas from his script. He had completely rewritten the entire third act, which included a completely and confusing different ending. Daniel's actual original script dealt more with the cult in Rune of Thorn. So he actually was focused more on that. Okay. And the director fucked it up. Great. So I, I don't know who Joe Chappelle is, but I just want to say you are an asshole. <laughs> you're you're like the biggest dick on the planet because you just fucked this movie over. I just want to say. I wonder if that is like a curse for him nowadays. I feel like it You're should. the one that fucked this movie up. I feel like it should like be people- because... He messed He up. goes into rooms or film festivals and they're like, mm-hmm. you're the one. Yep. Farron's original script featured a much grander and deeper conspiracy story that ultimately revealed that much of the town of Haddonfield was actually in on the mystery. He also allowed a third act for the character of Jamie that brought her face to face with the shape once again for a final battle. That would have been cool. But instead they killed her within like 10 minutes or whatever it is at the beginning of the movie. I don't even know how long she makes it, but it's not very long. Not very long at all. The Man in Black's arrival at the Strode House was also originally written as a POV shot, similar to young Michael's introduction into the original Halloween. And like many of the slower, spookier scenes from Farron's script, it was cut on the day of shooting. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just same. In early 1995, after filming and editing was completed, Halloween 6 was given a test screening, which, as described by actress Marianne Hagen, consisted primarily of 14-year-old boys. Okay. I mean, like, I get that's so probably this... a target audience, but there's got to be people of all ages that like Michael Myers and Halloween movies. So they made this movie for 14-year-old boys. I, well, I don't know who that was actually made for, but that was the test audience. Let's say that. 
During the Q&A afterward, one of them expressed great, great displeasure at the ending of the film, which entailed a Celtic ritual and the passing of the curse of Thorn to Dr. Loomis's character. That's very interesting to have Dr. Loomis go bad, like at the evil. That would have been more interesting. That sounds very interesting to me. And a 14-year-old boy, are, I mean, I'm sorry, there's intelligent people of all ages, but the general population of 14-year-old boys not, is not that smart. Believe me, I've been there and done you, that. You know personally, yes. So I don't understand So this. they they shot it down because of a 14-year-old kid. Uh-huh, yeah. So this led to reshoots to craft a new ending, but there was a big problem. Donald Pleasance could not be present for the reshoots. Because he was working? Nope, we will, I will I discuss this in a, in a second. We'll come back to that. Okay, as to, to what else is going on with Donald Pleasance. So not only was a new ending shot anyway, but over 20 minutes of other footage was changed as well, leaving a big, giant, gaping plot hole that rendered the film basically nearly incomprehensible. And I agree. I think this this movie is confusing and doesn't so have they, a direction. They spent $5 million on this Yeah. to have nothing come of it. I mean, I think so. Oh, my God. If I was running the studio, I'd yeah. be super pissed. So A. Michael Lerner replaced George P. Wilmer, Wilbur in the role of Michael Myers as the studio executives wanted him to appear less bulky. So remember how I said there were two, mm-hmm. two Michael Myers in this movie? That's why, because the studio came in and they were like, mm, we don't like your look, you're too bulky. This resulted in a continuity, continuity, sorry, error, um, because the last third of the film has a Michael Myers who is now skinnier. Do you notice it? And I forgot to look for this. I rewatched it today and then I totally forgot. You rewatched it? I did. Mm -hmm. The whole thing? Well, I was like half paying attention, but yeah, I did turn it back on because I have problems with this movie. First of all, remembering anything about it because it doesn't make any sense. And then number two, trying to understand it. And I just, I can't, I can't do it. Like the last movie, I maybe didn't agree with it, but you can understand. I can follow the plot line. And we did not discuss in the last episode this cult of thorn, no, man in not. black. And I didn't see the point in discussing it there because really, if you just removed that from the last movie, it wouldn't have made a difference in the actual storyline. Right. Because it was just like they didn't even know what they're doing with the man in black since they they just but randomly the- threw him in there and he had no purpose. But this movie went back to that storyline. So I was like, well, we'll talk about it in the next right, one. Right, that's what I was going to say. This movie actually talks Focus about it. On it. But the last movie didn't, did not bring it up when we were discussing it last time because really there's nothing, it's, there, nothing happens with it. It doesn't make any sense. He's got the tattoo, but they don't really do anything with it. And okay. then this one, they're like, oh, well, we did this in the last movie, so let's explain it. And then because the script got changed, they did not explain it in any sort of way that made sense. All right. This is where commerce and production happen. Mm -hmm. So back to our fun disaster of a film. Producer Paul Freeman and director Joe Chappelle reportedly rewrote the ending on set, even from shot to shot as production deadlines loomed large. Can you wait? Let's pause for a second. They're rewriting this on on set. Yes. Can you imagine being an actor and trying to learn your lines? It's impossible. This would be the one time I would be like, I mm-hmm. hate being an actor. It's impossible. Not only that, but Freeman also sent the crew home when crucial scenes needed to be shot, deleting scripted scenes indiscriminately, rewrote dialogue and action sequences, and took it upon himself to direct second unit shots 
as well as supervise the post-production phase of the original cut and make a series of blunders that resulted in Miramax taking control of the film and ordering their own reshoots. Oh my God, that is terrible. If that mm-hmm. happens, you know you fucked up. Yeah, the studio came in and yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is a giant cluster. Again, I did not care for the last storyline because I think that they could have done more with that, but I will give it credit. It's definitely better than what was going on with this movie for sure. So many of the crew have actually gone on the record to state that director Joe Chappelle told them from the very outset that he didn't even like the Halloween films and was only involved in the project because it got him a three picture deal with Miramax. And in fact, his next two films were Miramax releases. That's crazy. You have a guy who doesn't even respect the the franchise franchise because he just wants to get a three picture deal. You got it. You know, that happens. You have to do this project first Mm -hmm. and then you get your deal. I just feel like if I'm going to do it, though, like I would still want to try and do a good job and do something I could be proud of and not what this was. I agree with you because your name is still on it, you know, right? You're still attached to it. And most of the cast and crew have disowned this movie on Halloween 25 years of terror. They stated that the studio producers and director interfered and argued to the point of ridiculousness which resulted in a very poorly directed and edited film, which is true. And you can see this when you look at it. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still watch this mm-hmm. during the Halloween yeah. because it's part of the Halloween franchise, right? This is the one I pay the least amount of but attention to. But it's one of the, this is the one where I much rather do trigger or do trick or treating to. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the last one and this one, but I, like I said, I like Danielle in the last one. I think she did a good job with what she was told to do as a character. I think she does great, you know. But this one, the whole thing, like Paul Rudd, okay. I like so, Paul Rudd. I'll watch him. And then the rest of it's like, who cares? I never noticed that, that Danielle didn't reply prize her role. She's not in this movie. She she should have been the pregnant one in the beginning. I have multiple problems with this, but I'm going to give you the Danielle thing. It looks like in just a second. So I will talk about my other issues. All right. So during production of this film, distributor Dimension Films was actually having budget issues with its other upcoming horror sequel, Hellraiser Bloodline, which was coming out in 1996. They reportedly slashed $1 million from Halloween's budget as a result. Shut up. But they I feel like, does it matter? I mean, this movie was bu- such a $1 million mess. from their budget. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. <sighs> the producers of the movie actually wanted Brian Adams to reprise his role as Tommy Doyle from the original Halloween. So they wanted to have him back. But Andrews actually didn't have an agent, so they couldn't get in contact with him. I bet he's kicking himself He now. has since stated he regrets missing the opportunity. But really, it's a crappy movie. People will, for, will forgive Paul Rudd because he's Paul Rudd now, but it's probably a blessing in disguise that you missed out on this they the character of tommy i don't think was bad don't get me wrong i think he missed the paid paycheck well that could be that probably that's did where, suck that's where he's yes. probably coming from is oh you couldn't get a hold of me all right missed the paycheck yeah so let's get into daniel harris which does involve some money daniel harris did want to reclaim the role as jamie but she turned it down when dimensions Dimension Films refused to pay her the $5,000 that she wanted. Harris stated in an interview that when her agent learned that filmmakers were looking to cast an actress who looked at least 18 or older, at least 18 or older to play Jamie in this film, she was only 17, but wanted to do the movie enough that she got herself legally emancipated from her parents at the suggestion of filmmakers. 
so that she could work longer hours without having to actually go to school. Harris spent time and thousands of dollars on the legal process, but ultimately turned down the film due to her own dissatisfaction with the character's story and Dimension's refusal to pay her a salary that would have recovered her legal fees. Harris also stated that she eventually met and befriended J.C. Brandy, who took over the role of Jamie and was treated poorly on the set because Harris turned down the role. So they, first of all, recast her because they were being shitty towards her. Wow. And then they weren't even nice to the actress that they recast. Wow. My other blows my mind. And my other problem with this movie. Okay. Cause they said they wanted to cast someone who was 18. They wanted an adult. Okay. And she has a baby and stuff. So, all right. My problem is, is that they very specifically said this is six years after the last film. So isn't Jamie like nine or 10 or something like nine years old? Yeah. Eight. I don't remember, but she's not very, I know Danielle is older than she she, wouldn't, she would play younger, but the character itself was like like eight years old. So let's, let's be generous and say like nine. So if you add six years, she would have been, well, yeah, we'll say she was between like 14 and 16 years old having this baby, but they were trying to get an actress who was 18 or older i mean then i start going to well that's not even the right age you know can you say thoughty thought thought <laughs> i'm just kidding what is wrong with you oh my gosh so yeah so that was my other problem i had with this i feel like they also weren't really paying attention to ages and i don't know but that whole that whole thing is messed up that entire jamie storyline i think is messed up and no idea that this was going on in the mm-hmm. background and there's two versions of the film. Uh, Daniel Ferens thinks that both versions are not great. I bet. But he thinks the producer's cut is the better version. And that's the one I'm pretty sure they have on DVD. I don't know, but Paramount Plus has the producer's cut, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Based on some of the stuff they said when we get to the deaths, I was like, I'm mean, it's the producer's cut they have. But I don't remember the DVD because I just can't focus on this stupid movie. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this one now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do it on Paramount Plus. Yeah, if it's different. I don't know what. We have to check the DVD that we have and see. For years after the theatrical release of this film, the only way to watch the producer's cut was actually by a bootleg copy which had poor video and audio quality, which made it basically unwatchable. So, I mean, what's the point? The footage managed to survive being destroyed by being released illegally. And on September 23rd, 2014, Shout Factory released the original producer's cut on Blu-ray with a restored picture from the original negative, which is available in the Halloween Complete Collection for the first time. So was this shot on film? Yeah. Okay. This is the 90s still, so okay. yeah, not, not the digital age. It was finally given an individual release by Miramax on September 2015, through though without any bonus features from the collection. Okay. And like I said, I'm pretty sure this version is on Paramount Plus too, the producer's cut. The line where Dr. Wynn says, okay, okay, you can take the robes off now that Halloween is over, you know, he's telling them all to remove, yeah. That was improvised. According to Daniel Ferens in a podcast interview, the reason that the line was said was because Dimension Films chief Bob Weinstein, here we go, sticking your nose in it, the, the studio, Bob Weinstein screamed at Joe Chappelle on the phone as they were getting ready to shoot, demanding that the thorn robes be out of the film. Doesn't say why, I don't know what his problem was. 
he's an asshole. I don't know. After a moment of silence, they needed to keep filming. And that was when Chappelle told Mitchell Ryan to say Halloween is over, even though it wasn't scripted. How? Yep. I want to see Bunch, I'm a bunch of dickheads in here is all yeah. I'm saying in this entire production. So here we go. This is the final appearance of Donald Pleasant to Samuel Loomis due to his death during post-production. He couldn't return for reshoots because he had died. Shut the fuck up. And it makes me sad because they didn't do right by, by Dr. No, Loomis. No, they did not. It makes me upset that this is his last one. This is also the final appearance of returning characters Terrence Wynn, Tommy Doyle, and Jamie Lloyd in the original series. Okay. Now you have to specify that because as we know, when we get around to the relaunch with Halloween 2018, they do appear in that series. Yeah. So, to, but to be clear, this we will not see them for a while. Oh, all right. So that was a lot already. I wonder what Donald's family thought of the franchise i don't know like were they are they pissed at him he kept coming back though i mean like they give him the offer and then he signed on when he saw the script right so he probably he clearly be, enjoyed it to he, a certain extent he was probably getting paid a lot of money i'm sure he was especially by the last couple movies and so he probably made enough to leave leave it to i mean heirs when you look at one through six, who's the only actor who was in all of them? He was. Exactly. So he yeah. stuck through. <sighs> he probably right. thought this is terrible, but I have to sit through. Uh, he, or he um, had a contract that wouldn't let him out. Well, or... like we said, he saw the the original script for this one. He's like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. And then they were like, just kidding. And they rewrote it. And now he's stuck. So I think that happened to him a lot, too. He wasn't learning See, his lesson. That's the point problem that I get with filmmaking and producing is things can change from minute to minute. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even the production company doesn't have control of that. Yep, exactly. So. You want some killer facts now? Yep. Body count, 20. All right. So we have Nurse Mary who was impaled through the head against a wall spike. Fun times. Truck driver had his nick twet and nick his neck twisted and the theatrical cut his um head is like cracked open it's too graphic for them i don't i don't know the rating I, board there's just too much going on in this movie different versions and all that jamie lloyd was impaled onto farm equipment and mulched pretty gross yeah that's right she was like mm -hmm. and she's shot in the head by terrence Wynn after deborah's death in the producer's cut Deborah Strode was slashed with the hatchet. You don't really see it though. It's just a bunch of blood that flies up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. John Strode was stabbed and electrocuted and his head explodes in theatrical cut. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I think I said the producer's cut is on, but his head explodes in the version that's on Paramount Plus. So I guess it's, a, it's the theatrical cut then, okay, not the okay. producer's cut. See, there's just too, too many, too much going on. So I'm sorry, but his head does explode. Because I couldn't remember when I was had turned it on because I'd done this and I was just like, what were some of the different versions? And I'm trying to remember. And I, when he started getting electrocuted, I was like, oh, if his head blows up, then I know it's like whatever that version is. So his head went blow up. So, okay. Yeah. Pretty gross. Uh, yeah. Barry Sims was stabbed twice and gutted. Uh, Tim Strode, his throat and armpit were slit with a knife. Beth was stabbed a bunch of times in the back. A bunch of times? Is well, that he, it? He, he, yeah. 
you know, it was a lot. Uh, the asylum creepy ass lady was, I guess, stabbed in the stomach. I mean, she was like standing there and she had blood on her when she was like leading to the, the baby and stuff. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Did she die? I'm not sure if it was clear if she died or not. I she remember. must have died. But it... she was definitely stabbed at the very least. Dr. Terrence Wynn was stabbed and slashed with a surgical um, like machete thing. Uh, Dr. Bonham was stabbed and slashed, same thing. And then there were like the random cult doctors who were all stabbed, slashed up, you know, just sliced and diced. Michael gets going, he doesn't want to stop. There, there's another random cult doctor who had his head slammed through the metal bars, like his face smashed into it. It's pretty gross. Dr. Sam Loomis. He screams at the end. So remember, he stays by himself and he's like, I have to go take care of something or whatever he says. You're right. And then you hear him screaming. Is that the curse giving? I don't know. I don't know what happened. So he either went in there and he's screaming because he's in a battle with Michael. He's screaming because Michael is murdering him. He's screaming because now he's cursed. I don't know. And we will never know what happened. But either way, he screamed. So something happened to him, potentially. Or Michael's not dead. Well, Michael had moved when right. he went back. So right. We already know he's he's not dead. Yeah. So. But yeah, I don't know. As we were kind of talking about before, George P. Wilbur is the first actor to play Michael more than once. The second is Tyler Maine in the remakes one and two and James Jude Courtney in Halloween 2018 kills and Halloween ends. So not a lot of repeat actors for the shape. Nope. And even though stuntman George P. Wilbur reprised his role as Michael Myers when the reshoots were taking place, then that's when he was replaced by a Michael Lerner because of his bulkiness. And now you have two Michaels and it just looks stupid, I'm sure. I did not pay attention to I didn't see to that. notice. And I'm mad I forgot about this to look and see the difference. But it must be noticeable because... Obviously. Yeah. Because people are bringing it up. Yes, exactly. Special effects. So special effects artist John Carl Buechler created the mask for the film, which was based heavily on the mask featured in the poster for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. He handcrafted the mask over George P. Wilbur's face. So it was like specially made for him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then they replaced him, but whatever. Yeah. There are some horror movie references in this one. Deborah and John Strode were named after John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. I figured that. Which, if you don't know them, obviously they started this whole thing. The there's also a mention of a stomach pounder during breakfast, which is a nod to the fog. I haven't seen the fog. Yes, you know what? Now that you bring it up, that I remember that. I will eventually be seeing it, but they're drinking that. Yeah. Like uh, when they're in the blender. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right at the beginning. Yep. Breakfast. Yeah. So eventually I will see the fog and get the reference, but not yet. The lady who runs the boarding house, we said her name was Mrs. Blankenship, and she's named after a character that was in Halloween 3. Uh, Ellie makes a reference that her father had an appointment with Minnie Blankenship. So that's how they got that name, I guess. The room used in the sanitarium where Kara is contained and then escapes from is number 237. 237. Which is the infamous room. Ah, uh, for the 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 shining. Yes, that's See, right. Where are you at with this? You should know that. You caught me off guard, but My yes, goodness. it's the shining from the Shanley Hotel, the There's, Stephen King room. Yes, exactly. 
there's a subtle reference to the original 1978 Halloween. In the in that original film, Tommy Doyle drops that giant pumpkin that he's holding after school when mm-hmm. the kids are being mean to him. And in this one, um, he actually causes Danny Strode, the little kid, to accidentally destroy the pumpkin he's carrying while he's on his way from school. So there you go. There's a slight tie-in. So Danny Strode was named after and modeled after Danny Torrance from The Shining. That makes sense. Beth's murder scene was modeled after a scene from Fred Walton's When a Stranger Calls. Okay. And there are extended scenes of Kara walking on the college campus and en route to her home that were intended to allude to scenes that featured Lori in the first film. Remember when she's like walking home by herself and everything? Yeah, it was just an allusion to her. So nothing else specific, but you know, like when she's walking alone and looking all freaked out and stuff, they were going to do that with Kara, I guess, on her way home but they cut it. So in the original draft of the movie, when John came home from work, he turned on the TV and a scene of the boy dying from the mask in Halloween three season of the witch was on TV. You're right. But it wasn't, it was in the original draft of the movie. Okay. So they didn't have it in the movie, but they originally were going to, but I thought that was a fun tie in if they had done it. Because that's what they did in season of the witch. They had Michael Myers. Yeah. And this one they would have had season of the witch on the movie. Yeah. And this film begins with a flashback to the ending of Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, to explain that Jamie was kidnapped after the police station massacre by the man in black and is held by the Thorn occults. But at the end of the film, the actual ending of Halloween 5, the man in black had already left with Michael Myers and Jamie was just like there alone and not taken by anybody. So that's kind of annoying. Yeah. They just changed the ending of it. That would have been a better tie-in, a better, well, you know, mm-hmm. thing. Like, where have you been this whole time? You were kidnapped. So well, that... she was kidnapped in this movie, right? But they retrofitted it into the ending of the last one to say she was kidnapped then, but she wasn't because we saw her there right. alone. Everybody had left already or been right. killed, so it wouldn't have made more sense to figure out a different way to get her kidnapped rather than just. Hoping that people didn't notice. Which they did. That's what I figured that they did. They spent all this money on this IP. And they're just like, oh, let's see if people notice. Oh, my God. Okay, so now we're into general trivia. This had the largest opening weekend out of all of the entire series of Halloween movies until Halloween 2018. Really? That makes me very upset that people didn't understand what they were getting into at all. Many of, here we go, this pissed me off. Many of Donald Pleasance's scenes were actually edited out of the film because Joe Chappelle found him boring. Really? This is why I said this guy is a dick. He's an asshole. I do not like you. Well, as a life of an actor is you go there, you shoot it, and then they're like, whatever you guys do with it, you do it. But You already got your paycheck. But first of all, Dr. Loomis is like iconic. And if his scenes were boring, it's because your dumbass was in there rewriting the entire fucking script and ruining it. And you don't even obviously understand the point of Dr. Loomis being in the movie. Right. So it's fine. You want to call those old legend boring fuck off is what I want to say to you. No, I agree with that. That just annoyed me to no end. The exchange between Dr. Loomis and Dr. Wynn after the revelation of the man in black was extended in the script originally. So Wynn's dialogue at the office um, would point out that Michael's rampages of terror were not coincidental. 
the constellation reprising the thorn demon appeared in 1978, 1988, 1989, and 1995, which basically aligns with all the massacres. When always monitored Myers and even taunts Loomis by thanking him sarcastically since Loomis always made sure to capture Michael and bring him back. That's I, that would have been a good little, yeah. little yeah. moment when also blatantly reveals that it was Tim who taught Michael how to drive a car. Okay. Missed, missed opportunity. Yeah. For us understanding what the fuck, you know. But then again, Jamie drives a car in this one too. So who? And she was like captured. Now they're seeing as a child. So it, it, this this it franchise is all all the fuck everywhere. Nobody knows how to do anything consistent with this movie. I feel like franchise. when they reboot the the series, they need to work out these problems mm-hmm. so they don't have it. Well, when they did the most recent ones, it was the same people working on all three. Right. And they had a plan, one, two, three. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know, we'll get into it when we actually do the research on it, but they you may not like what they did with it but they one two three like they basically knew what they were doing with it versus this which you can't see the cohesion it's just stupid it's it's just stupid okay so the mpaa initially rated this film nc-17 i knew that was coming but the producers were only required to trim a few minutes of gore from jamie's death a few seconds from john's and reshooting the final scene with a strobe light effect and this makes the film one of the few modern slashers with only minor cuts to get it down to an r rating but yeah whatever the Writer and filmmaker's intentions with the original script were to ultimately unveil what had kept Michael Myers alive and his reasons for killing. Okay. They decided upon using the curse of thorn angle, which is a concept that Michael had been under the influence of ancient Celt- of an ancient Celtic curse that drove him to murder all of his family members in his bloodline. Once his task was completed, the curse would be passed on to another young child. We didn't get that script or explanation or anything right we got what we got but that would have at least explained what was going on a little bit better and but whatever yeah so i don't know if you realize this but dr loomis and michael share no scenes together in any version of this movie right i did notice that yes so this is the only film in the series that features both of them but then they don't interact at all which is another missed opportunity. Yeah. You always need Dr. Loomis face to face with Michael at some point in time. Spending $5 million on a picture, you need you need that energy in there. You need there. some basic things, I feel like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so we were talking about the ages. So JC Brandy was 20 when she filmed this movie and her character Jamie would have only been, as we said, like around 14 years old, according to the timelines. So, yeah. That's crazy. It just, they aged her up and they just basically did whatever they wanted to do. She's had a rough life from four to 14. So, I mean, my problems, there's so many problems with this movie, but it first of all starts with that. Jamie is a different actress. She's older. They're saying it's six years later, but it doesn't make any sense based on the timeline. But I don't think the opening is necessarily the worst. I mean, they do start with the cult thing mm-hmm. and her escaping and all that. So. At least they're trying to rectify what was randomly thrown into the last movie that made no sense. And, you know, she gets to the bus station. She calls for help. Dr. Loomis hears it on the radio. So you bring him in. I mean, they did a good job of trying to set up stuff. We see Tommy and Tommy, of course, is obsessed with Michael because he's 
time lived to go through in. it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's not bad to start off. And then she leaves the baby at the bus station, which nobody notices. Okay. Nobody hears a baby crying I, in the, that, in the that bus station until the me. next morning. That bothers me because I'm like, I'm just like, where is what? this baby you have been hiding at? This nobody noticed this. And I don't know how Michael found her. I don't think that's super clear. Like, how Michael was able to locate her, but it's whatever their mental connection, I guess, that they the curse threw in the last movie. Whatever. So, but she has a pretty gory, good death. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. And then we go to the Strode house, which number one. Okay. So they're all sitting around having breakfast. And Kara has this whole thing with her dad, right? Mm -hmm. They're in a fight and he slaps her and it's a thing. And then the kid. And the kid is there. Okay. What I did not understand is why did they even do that storyline? Maybe to show how mean the dad was. But why? It didn't add anything to the story. It didn't do anything. I just mean, made him look like an in- a jerk. Yeah. And you're just like, you're supposed to feel bad for Kara, I guess. But I would feel bad regardless of someone who lives in the house or who's attacked by Michael. Yeah. I mean, Lori wasn't, we didn't even see her family in the original, original Halloween. And we didn't see her getting beat up by her dad or a boyfriend or somebody but you still have that sympathy for her as a character because the storyline was well done and set up yeah absolutely so this entire i was like you could just drop this entire scene like i don't think it adds any anything to it to the movie other than okay you're trying to establish someone lives in the myers house or you're trying to fill time and they don't know anything about the myers curse because you live in had i don't understand you live in haddonfield what well in the original script the town would have been on it, in yes. on it. And so it would have made, made more sense. sense. But now it makes no sense with the way the script was. So that entire thing annoyed me. And then they already had Danny doing like the weird drawings and stuff. And he hears the voices at some point in the movie. But you they remember? didn't even connect that. Like he hears the voices and, and that's when he goes back to the house at one point. Yeah, like they do little things where he's listening to it. Like he's going to be the next child of the occult thorn right. thing. But there's like no fault. It doesn't make any sense. Like why didn't just don't do that? No, that do, makes sense. Yeah. Why just would they don't do include that? it? Because number one, this family was the one that adopted Lori, right? That's mm-hmm. what they had said. The Strodes adopted her. Right. So they're not blood related. Blood, blood, so there's yeah. no reason to even have the the voices and it I mean, I guess they're kind of implying if they went that kind of version, maybe like a random kid would be chosen, but it makes no sense. You know, you're right. I've never actually like torn it apart like this. It doesn't make sense. It does not. This is why it, I'm like, I knew we were gonna be just talking about this to death. So there's that's why I didn't want to talk about it last time, because it it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Like it, nothing makes sense, and like I feel like they used Tommy, but I feel like they could have used him more. Yeah. and cut some of the other characters out absolutely and and paul red though plays tommy as like kind of like dr loomis level crazy yeah which again we've he, established we appreciate he the doctor made loomis. that character great but and i think that's he's why like he... looking all all psychotic with the baby and mm-hmm. yelling like when he's at the hospital and he's just yelling and demanding <laughs> for a doctor i'm like this is why she called security on you you got to take a chill pill and then he just like leaves looking all <laughs> all crazy it's great but i love it don't you think Paul Rudd, the way he acted, helped. 
I movies yeah. kind of succeed a little bit. I mean, Tommy is one of the only good characters in the in, in the movie. Yeah, and putting him with Doctor Loomis, I'm like, where are the scenes? There's more scenes. Like one thing that that makes me laugh is like when he's at the they're having that party or whatever for Halloween because people in Haddonfield are stupid. So they have why their wouldn't big, you just cancel Halloween I, altogether? Just, because they said it'd been too long, and that's why they were doing. It. That's another thing. Okay, before I get into my next thing about Tommy. That's another thing that makes no sense. So you have the brother that lives in the house, Astrode, and he doesn't know about the Myers curse, but his girlfriend is making a big, she's organizing the event and saying how the town needs to move on and they need to have this party and they, you know, for Halloween. And he doesn't understand what she's talking about. Like that it's he's from helping her organize it. Yes. No, that makes sense. Stupid. But anyway, when they're there, and Tommy's walking around. There's like that one really gross scene where like the the radio host or whatever had gotten killed by Michael. Uh-huh. The obnoxious guy. And he like strung him in the tree and with in the, the rain. Lights. It's raining blood. It's and the warm. little girl is like, like dancing in it. It's raining. Firstly, Tommy walks over and just stares. And I'm like, you don't think maybe you should say like that seems a bit sketchy. And then he looks up and sees the guy, which that was pretty gross, but I like the lights and stuff. Oh. I think that was a pretty cool effect. Anyway. He looks up and sees the guy right but no no point in time does tommy say to this little girl like you should move you should get out you of shouldn't be, he stands there and stares and then you can hear the fact that the branches are gonna break you can hear it cracking and then he just stands there and watches the body fall and the little girl is still there that kills me and he doesn't even do anything about her he just watches it happen and i'm just like tommy Maybe it you're would... the grown up here. Like you, you should be assisting this child. Well, he is crazy though, right? So <sighs> yeah, he's I just like so. that's not his priority. I mean, I guess Doctor Loomis would have just stood there and stared. Is but he... I feel like Doctor Loomis would have told the little girl to move. Like he would have been like, "Oh my god, little girl, we gotta." Well, you know what happened he's here? He's crazy. So he's like, "That's not my main concern. I have to figure out what's going on." I guess his ADD. But it didn't right? make me laugh the way he just watched the body fall out. But. Tommy's pretty badass though in this. I think you know he's good. He fights Michael and yeah. Kara's not bad as a character. I just don't think she really needed to be in the movie. I feel like he could just not have her in it and just had the Tommy and Doctor Loomis show and it would have been much better. No, I agree. But if they had explained more about this cult thing, I think that also would have been better. The way if they, they would have went with the original script, it would have been yes. Better. He would have explained what's going on with Michael. You still would have had him like eh, killing people, and you would have had plenty of Doctor Loomis and still had a place for Tommy. Absolutely. Where just, commerce and production come together. I just want to miss. So sometimes it wins, sometimes you lose. Yeah. This one, I I mean, we have to get through the rest of them, but this one is definitely going to be, if not the bottom movie for me, it's going to be very close. So what, do you have some quotes for us? I do. Not very many, because again, I don't like this this film. So Tommy at the beginning is the voiceover. So Paul Rudd, brand new to movies, right? First film. And he actually used to do the voiceover too at the beginning of the narration. I forgot oh, wait, that. I forgot yeah. that too. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, this is your first movie. So Tommy says at the beginning, when Michael Myers was six years old, he stabbed his sister to death. He was locked up for years in Smith's Grove Sanitarium, but he escaped. Soon after, Halloween became another word for mayhem. One by one, he killed his entire family until his nine-year-old niece, Jamie Lloyd, was the only one left alive. Okay, pause. So that's where the nine came in. So nine plus six, she she's like 14, 15. Right. Okay. Six years ago, Halloween night, 
Michael and Jamie vanished. Most people believe them dead, but I believe someone hid them away. Someone who keeps Michael, protects him, tries to control him. If there's one thing I know, you can't control evil. You can lock it up, burn it and bury it and pray that it dies, but it just never will. It just rests a while. You can lock your doors and say your prayers, but the evil is out there waiting. And maybe, just maybe, it's closer than you think. It's a good narration. Yeah. Shitty movie, but it's a good narration to try and set up something. And then last quote I had, the sheriff says to Dr. Loomis, you have no business in my town. And of course, Dr. Loomis says, Michael Myers is my business. (laughs) Of course he does. I just have to have a Dr. Loomis quote because I love him. And I'm sad that he did not. I'm sorry. Bump the table. I'm sorry. Sad that he did not have a better going away. I think that the whole franchise kind of didn't do him right. There's, yeah, there's a lot that they could have done with Dr. Lemus, but. They have a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, unfortunately. So I have some trivia if you want to try and answer some questions. I don't know much about this one. Okay, so so avert your eyes. Okay. So what is the name of the cult that's been holding Michael Myers? Thorn. Sam Hain. Sam Hain? Yep. That's mm-hmm. They wrote that on the board in the last movie. Do you remember that? It was like on a chalkboard, I think. Briefly, but it's not Thorn? No. Well, okay. it's like the Cult of the Thorn, but it's it's called Sam. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. The symbol for the cult is the Thorn. Right, and that's okay. the symbol that was on his wrist. So there you go. But it's called of the Thorn, but it's actually called Sam Hain. Okay. There you go. Useless fact. Who is the leader of the cult? Michael Myers? No, he's part of the cult. I don't know. He's like a pawn. Dr. Terrence Wynn. That's right. The Terrence guy in the white. was, yes. He's the men, men in black. He was a friend of Loomis's, and he's also the one that supposedly kidnapped Jamie at the and taught made Michael up how to ending of the other one. Yeah, all, all this that. stupid shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for the last six years, um, Jamie has been held captive in the same cult as Michael when he kidnapped her. And um, yeah, it just, it wasn't explained well. So those are the only two questions I had because okay. <laughs> normally I try and do three, but they were just either we blatantly were going to talk about it. And I was like, well, it's not trivia because we're going to like have a full blown conversation, conversation about, about it. it. Or it was just stupid because the movie is stupid. And I just was like, well, we'll just, just we'll do two. That makes sense. It's, it's fine. Yeah. But Jamie... Yeah, so the the theory is when they rectified the last ending, both of them were in the same cult, but she escaped. So because they wanted to make her baby like an evil baby or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So these are our thoughts to Halloween six. Not good. Not great. Not a great movie. I had no idea that it was this much of a clusterfuck. It's bad. Behind the scenes. It's bad. So I'm glad we did a deep dive into Mm -hmm. all this. Yeah. So Maybe you love this movie. Maybe you Maybe do. Maybe you have terrible taste. If you do like this, let us know why. Please, I would love to know why. I would you love to talk to somebody that actually likes this movie. At least we can say that the mask in this one didn't look bad, right? Compared to the last one and whatever they did with the eye holes and the face and yes, and whatever was happening. Because I just when I was I was putting together some like Instagram stuff, and it literally is like laughable how bad the the mask was the last one so at least they rectified that that's good yeah i mean that's something but 
So next up, we are moving away from this storyline is uh, H2O. Yeah, it should be H2O with mm. some great actors. In so it. this one I'm really excited to to dive into. Yeah, I don't know how people feel about this one, but I like it. I, I like it's this a good one slash. Too. And you got our Scream Queen back from the original. We'll figure, we'll tell you why she decided to come back and mm -hmm. all of that. Which, I mean, should tell you that hopefully it's a better storyline. Yes. Yeah. And then we'll get into is the, is Resurrection the next one? Yes. And that's, that's the, then Jamie Lee supposedly died mm -hmm. in the Asylum Asylum at the beginning of that the movie. Be beginning of it. But that's the, that's the one with the, the reality show, right? Yes. I don't really like Danger that. One. I was waiting for you to do it. <laughs> So I, I I don't really like that one, but I know probably why you like it because you like filming stupid shit and ghost houses and things. But I, I mean, we'll get into it. But, yeah, we'll get into that yeah. one. But I'm but, happy at least we have one coming up that I really like. So next one we actually like mm -hmm. it's Halloween H2O 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let us know what your thoughts of this movie is mm -hmm. in the comments below. Please, please like and subscribe leave a comment mm -hmm. really helps out the channel review all of that mm -hmm. and thank you for tuning in make sure you follow us yes on social media instagram at boogeyman pod robert 1950 studios, studios. at the sam lamb everything will be in the show notes at limitless broadcasting and we have TikTok 1950 studios where robbie posts all sorts of weird shit make sure you tune in my uh my YouTube. YouTube show is called Strange World with Robert. Also very weird. We talk about really crazy topics like underground bases. Like if this was real. Shape-shifting. If the cult of the thorn, Samhain, whatever was real, Robbie would talk about I it. I would talk about it on Strange World with Robert. Or if they had a, a storyline you could follow, he could just talk about it anyway as a fictional one. Yeah. But you can't follow the storyline to make any sort of... So that's on YouTube. So yes. definitely subscribe. Mm -hmm. Limitless Broadcasting Network on mm -hmm. YouTube. Yep. So yep. thank you guys so much. Bye. All right. We will see you next time. You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast is produced and hosted by Robbie and Sammy Brooksby as part of the Limitless Broadcasting Podcast Network. Post-production and intro by Sammy Brooksby. Follow the show on Instagram at BoogeymanPod. You can also follow the Limitless Broadcasting Company at Limitless Broadcasting and your horror hosts at Robert1950 Studios and at The Sam Lamb. We also have a TikTok at 1950 Studios. Email your creepy comments and spooky suggestions to us at boogeymanpod at gmail.com. Don't forget, everyone is entitled to one good scare. Have a horrific week.